truth is, I accidentally brought those dangerous people here. We started getting some visitors from every universe. You ready? The multiverse is real. They all die fighting Spider-Man. They're all coming here. Don't do this. I have to try. Friendly neighborhood Spider-Man could really use some. They're a danger to our universe. I'm gonna get through it together. We need to send them back. Do it. This is all my fault. Thursday. Recorded live from the Emerald City of Seattle, it's the Mike Cybert Radio Podcast. Your home for pop culture, Transformers, independent artists, interviews, Transformers, and stuff, and things. Also sometimes Transformers. And now, here he is, the tenth wonder of the world, Mike Cybert. Hey, welcome back to Mike Cybert Radio. I am your host, and in this episode, I am going to be talking about the latest installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are talking Spider-Man No Way Home, or Far From Home, or Homeschool, Home Cooking, something, Home Something. I, you know, it, it, I, I cracked myself up because I think I keep trying to get the title wrong because I'm making jokes and being ironic, but. I also know I'm getting it right. The title is uh, No Way Home. So um, uh, a couple bits of housekeeping and full disclosure. I am recording this episode on uh, Tuesday, December 14th at 10 o'clock p.m. I literally just got out of an advance screening for the press. Uh, So I've seen the movie i just got out of it and in a way that i don't know if this has happened before oh this has never happened to me before but no i i can't think of a time even the the most exciting movies i've seen or the movies that i've been the most excited about i can't remember a time where i have felt the compulsion to immediately run into the studio and start recording. I think the last time I felt this way, now that I'm thinking about this, was when Rogue One came out. And I happened to see it a Monday afternoon on um, on a day that I was doing my Monday night show on KGRG. Uh, back at the college radio station, uh, the old show I used to have. And I remember when I came in, I came in hot. And so I went, you know, straight into show prep, but I knew I wanted to uh, talk about the Rogue One. So uh, we covered it non spoiler during the the live radio show. And then I did this this uh, uh, kind of cool experiment where I kind of um, went out of live mode and into record mode. And uh, me and and the dude I was broadcasting with at the time, uh, Hunter, uh, we 
we we did like five to ten minutes full spoilers where where we talked about um a, a lot of the things like he had just seen the movie also like a day or so uh previous uh but anyway i i think that's that's the last time that i could think of um that that i i just felt the motivation to crack a mic and just spew i have no notes in front of me um intentionally which i'll i'll kind of get into in a sec and i just kind of wanted to share some raw unfiltered but also completely spoiler free uh thoughts cuz if you're listening to this inter- uh, this uh this podcast now um obviously the movie isn't out yet until Friday and you know I I do occasionally get early access to movies and I I've never been the guy that tries to be first and I'm not first here I mean there there are written reviews available in fact i was in a screening with several other um media types i mean it was a press screening why why am i explaining it but but there's youtubers and uh other 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 media type of folks other than just like radio and podcasters and there was kind of a buzz within the screening that the consensus was a handful of folks are like oh I need to go do an episode now so I think maybe I kind of got caught up in that in in, um, infectious enthusiasm um infectious and uh inspiration i i suppose is more accurately and you know that now that i'm thinking about it more i i suppose actually you don't have to go too far back in my catalog to uh find a time when i was this enthusiastic i i uh when i saw last night in soho um you know i i felt the the almost immediate compulsion to go do an episode but it wasn't like literally right after the screening it was um oh gosh it, a day or so later i don't know why i'm litigating this right now that's that's the uh I, I guess peril of being raw and unfiltered so i am talking spider-man i am talking non-spoilers and um it, it reminds me of something that i continue even now to wrestle with as uh, uh, podcasting here is how much information is considered spoiler and how much of plot discussion is considered spoilers. And if you've heard me talk in many of these episodes in the past, um, it, it is something that I've struggled with and something that will continue to struggle with. Um, I, I reminded of a recent thing where my dude Aaron from Autopod Decepticast didn't listen to my Black Widow episode because he wanted to wait until he saw the movie to uh, before listening to the review. And I don't blame him. I totally understand. Even though in that episode, I tried to make a very clear delineation between where spoilers were that i did a non-spoiler section and then a full spoiler section um and it reminded me as i was talking to aaron that um i i feel very much the same way um i used to uh listen to review podcasts um oh, i don't know i i i i know exactly the one that that turned me off uh from listening to 
uh, reviews. It was uh, a, a review for Logan, and it was uh, um, I forget what plot element it was, but it was something that that was very inconsequential uh, to the plot. It wasn't like a character reveal or any particular major story beats or moments, but it was something. Um, oh, it was it was a, a moment between Patrick Stewart's Professor X character and and Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, and it was one of those things where it's like I didn't need to hear about that. It's I mean it doesn't spoil the movie, but you also kind of just threw that out there for for no apparent reason. So it's not lost on me why somebody would want to hold off entirely even if it's got the title of the movie and it says non-spoilers that you probably want to steer clear just on the outside chance that you'll say that like oh well uh wolverine helps professor x in the bathroom and it's like oh i don't i don't i don't need to know that before i go watch uh, the movie logan so uh this review might have some of that but i i i'll try to keep it as uh tame as possible but um but yeah i i i guess so let's uh so let's get into it so if it's um um if you want to hear me talk about it hang around if uh if you don't and you didn't see the 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 lemonade read the sign read the sign uh this is your opportunity to punch out and hopefully after you've seen uh spider-man no way home you can come back and check out this episode and laugh at me for all of my legislation so um i i i guess i have to start with my general opinion of spider-man in the marvel cinematic universe because i think that you can't have a conversation about this movie without kind of talking about spider-man's overall role in the larger mcu um i like that spider-man is part of the marvel cinematic universe i like tom holland as the character um but from his first appearance in Captain America Civil War um up through all of his other appearances I've always had the feeling of hashtag not my Spider-Man and for me there there were always a number of elements that the storytelling either gets wrong entirely or omits or tweaks uh there there's there's always just been a bunch of nagging things where um this character is a totally fine addition to uh the avengers and the universe and all that but he's not really spider-man you know he's really kind of like iron man jr like i think a lot of the marvel cinematic universe is based upon stuff that was coming out in like the uh through through the 2000s i i would say 2000 through i don't know 2010 2015 um if even that late so the the peter parker of the marvel cinematic universe to me is kind of spun out of the civil war comic book storyline which you know they they adapted uh uh, loosely into the movie and it kind of takes a lot of those hints where it pairs 
uh, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, more closely with Iron Man in a way that they never really had been in the comics previously. And it makes Peter kind of beholden to Tony Stark in a lot of ways. And that pairing kind of made its way into the movies, and I've never necessarily cared for that. I don't like that this version of Spider-Man basically has an Iron Man suit, um, that this Peter Parker um, hasn't really spent a whole lot of time just being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man uh, when he's having cosmic Avenger, uh, cosmic adventures with the Avengers. This is a pi- this is a Peter Parker that's been to space and has died. Um, so that's kind of far and away from what kind of the core of Spider-Man is. I think for my taste, I like spider-man when he's a uh street level character that's you know not uh not that far removed from the vigilante sect of of the marvel universe you know uh, uh daredevil punisher uh those kinds of uh, uh street level characters um spider-man is obviously in a in a slightly higher class well, not slightly higher class. I mean, a much higher class. But in terms of like the the types of stories I like Spider-Man doing, um, it, it's the one where he's being your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, not the one where he's necessarily um, gallivanting off into cosmic space adventure. Um, so throughout Peter's introduction uh, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in, in Civil War and spinning off into uh, Homecoming, I, I, I clocked a few things that, that didn't quite sit right. Um, one of the things that they wanted to do is give us a Spider-Man that was fully formed. And I think that that's a great idea, especially coming off of the Amazing Spider-Man movies with uh, with Andrew Garfield, where it's it's basically like it was a reboot, rehash origin story way too soon. Um, you don't need to see Spider-Man get bit by the spider, you know, much like. I don't need to see uh, poor Martha's uh, uh, pearls dropping in Crime Alley, you know, uh, with the, with the Batman origin story. Uh, there are just certain characters you don't need to show their origin story um, anymore. I, I think uh, Batman is one of them, and Spider Man is certainly the other. Um, it's something that you can tell very quickly. He gets bit by the spider. He gets uh, radioactive uh, spider powers. He gets superpowers and learns a hard lesson about power and responsibility uh, through losing his uncle. And that's the critical piece that the Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man has always been missing. Spider-Man Homecoming is so much of an anti-origin movie that it kind of forgets to still give you the fundamentals. Nobody says anything about power and responsibility. I don't know if Uncle Ben even gets referred to. I haven't watched those movies in a while. 
Um, so I, I, I just, I, I don't remember any kind of, uh, mention. I mean, there, there's a lot of focus on Marissa Tomei's Aunt May character, which, which is great. I think she's terrific in that role. Um, and, and I like that direction that they go, you know, with the, the younger, hotter Aunt May kind of from the, uh, ultimate comics from the, from the two thousands. And, um, I, I, I like, I like the tone and the attitude, but I, it, it always sat wrong with me that this is a Spider-Man that doesn't have those same um, fundamentals that comic book Spider-Man has, that Tobey Maguire Spider-Man has, and even to uh, to an extent um, that uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man had. So um, that always kind of sat wrong with me, and then and then like I said, with the, with the whole leaning on uh the technology that basically the spider-man suit in spider-man homecoming is essentially an iron man suit and that continued into uh the latter avengers movies into uh avengers affinity war and avengers endgame where again you know you know baby peter parker from from queens um is uh you know, is is the cosmic Spider-Man. He's a cosmic adventurer. And I don't know that that's it. I'm repeating myself a lot, but it's it's an aspect of his characterization that um, that never quite sat right with me. So you get to a uh, post Avengers Endgame and um, it, it kind of. uh solidifies in a weird way the Peter Parker Tony Stark relationship where it's kind of like a mentor mentee uh, uh, kind of um, you know father son type of thing uh, certainly like a, a nephew uncle type of type of relationship and it, it it does good character work for both characters like I think it um is a strengthening point for Tony Stark's character when he loses Peter Parker. And then likewise, uh, in the end game where, you know, miraculously everyone comes back to life and, um, Oh yeah, spoilers for all of those Avengers movies. I I'm totally sorry. I should have. Uh, I guess I should have given a, a better uh, warning for that. Uh, but anyway, so 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 Peter Parker comes back to life and um, and then loses Tony Stark. So it's like that 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 dynamic uh, flips. So is that his Uncle Ben moment? Kinda, but also kind of not really. Uh, which leads into uh, uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Um, and that. That movie just, um, I, I like it fine. I, I've seen it once. I've seen it once in the theater and I have not been back to it. And the reason why I don't think it works for me and why I don't think um, a lot of the latter phase Marvel movies don't precisely work for me is because of its, its, its biggest strength is its biggest weakness. These Marvel movies are incredibly episodic and they build upon each other and they build into a larger story. The problem with that type of storytelling is it makes individual movies in a sub series, film series. 
I'm not exactly sure what to call it. Um, it, it makes them incredibly disjointed. There isn't any one of these movies or any one of these solo character series that I think you can watch by themselves and have them be coherent. So like Iron Man, for example, you can watch Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2 be okay. But then when you get to Iron Man 3, where it's post-Avengers, I think the movie kind of fills in enough to catch you up so that you're kind of okay. But going from installment 2 to installment 3 is um, disjointed. Same thing with the Captain America movies. Same thing with uh, the Thor movie. Um, And in a sense, I've never tried to watch any of those movies as a series. You kind of watch it as the overall tapestry of the MCU and you got to watch everything. Everything kind of counts. Cause like, for example, if, um, if when it came out, you were kind of lukewarm on the concept of a Dr. Strange movie and didn't watch that one right away. Um, Dr. Strange is a, is a major player in, in the MCU. So that's a, that, that's a movie you kind of need, need to watch. Cause there, there is a, um, there's a lot there. Um, so anyway, I I've I kind of went into this new installment um of the Spider-Man series, the the No Way Home with a really kind of blasé lukewarm attitude. I've talked about my feelings kind of like on more recent entries in in the MCU. Um I I guess let's let's just kind of talk about some of the the more recent movies and like the this phase four, um, which does include the TV shows. So so you've got all the Disney Plus stuff. You got you got yourself a uh, a WandaVision, a Falcon Winter Soldier, a Loki and uh, and now the hot guy and um, and what if as well. Um, But for movies, you've got uh, Black Widow. Uh, Shang-Chi, uh, which I just recently watched. Um, I, I may have some thoughts on that as well, uh, I guess, in brief. Uh, Shang-Chi is aggressively fine. Um, I like Black Widow better, if if you were to ask me which one I liked over the two. Um, but I think as we get into this phase of the Marvel Universe, I don't really know where it's going. So it's like you start with Black Widow, which is a uh, flashback, fill in the cracks, kind of come origin story, sort of, but also not really. It sets up a couple things, but kind of not really. Uh, you have Shang-Chi, which feels like in a lot of ways kind of a Marvel phase one, phase two type of movie where you're introduced to a character that you really didn't care about before and you mildly care about by the time uh, the movie is over it's aggressively fine i i don't necessarily have anything bad to say about shang chi but i don't necessarily have anything good to say about it either it's fine um and and it seems like it's also setting up like a couple things like in the same way that that black widow does and and that and that brings us to uh spider-man which i gotta say um Getting into my thoughts finally about the movie, you know, 20 minutes into a podcast where I said I was going to do an early review, um, my expectations were skewed and low, um, skewed from, I, I think, coming off of Eternals, which sets up a bunch of cosmic stuff I don't care about. Um, I, I don't know. Th- this phase of the MCU is giving me a lot 
and a lot I don't care about. I think I have Marvel fatigue. I think I'm perhaps on the cusp of outgrowing this stuff, which is very odd to say at the age of 43. But um, it's it's a weird sensation because like I, I watched all of the Spider-Man trailers and all of the hype leading up to it and felt nothing. Um, did I, did I feel contempt? No. Um, did I feel excitement? Not really. It was just really kind of like a gnawingly raw sense of apathy, a indifference. And I remember watching the trailers kind of trying to, you know, as more was revealed that, you know, it involves Doctor Strange, it involves a window to the multiverse, it involves bringing in these uh, uh, villains from the other movies, and at a time where I should be excited about that, I was just kind of aggressively indifferent, Um, and even... Even as recently as going to the showing tonight, like I finished work and went to the movie and I sat in my seat and, you know, it's like, you know, I I get checked in and never once was it like, oh, man, I'm excited to watch that Spider-Man movie. It was just kind of like, yeah, I'm just kind of going through the motions. And I think that's where... A lot of us are with regards to this Marvel content. I don't know if as many of us are as excited about it as we are just consuming it. So I don't know what that means for the future, but but that that kind of gives you um, a little bit of a foundation of where my attitude was going into it. I, I was very indifferent and I have... Uh, some shaky goodwill, but also some, uh, kind of problems with this incarnation of, uh, Spider-Man. So I, I think it would be fair to say that perhaps I did have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder going into it and, um, watching the movie, I, I feel like for at least the first half to perhaps two thirds I was in that mood, that kind of chip on my shoulder. I don't like this. This is giving me a bunch of stuff that I don't want. Um, and then with uh, without spoiling it, you know, it gets kind of into the the third act and kind of the final motion um, of the movie. And I, I was talking to uh, talking to uh, the dude I went to the movie with. And I even now. I don't know if I can pinpoint the exact moment in the movie where it clicked, where I just kind of gave myself over to it. But there was a, there there was a time as I was watching it where I'm like, screw it. I'm here. You have me. It's fine. You know, and and I was able to enjoy it. So I went into the movie with a with with, as I said, a little bit of a chip on my shoulder and I left with a smile on my face. This movie is loud, crowded, overstuffed, but still a lot of fun. So, um, I, I guess that's it. It in brief is like, um, I was 
trying to concoct my my feelings as i as i said i kind of went into it with, with a certain predisposition and the expectation that i had created for myself as the movie started was that i would come to work the next day or i would go home and uh when folks would ask me how did you like the spider-man i would shrug and say it's fine it was a movie um but movie won me over dude and it's uh i i think it's a strong infusion of nostalgia um and and i think once once i was picking up on what it was putting down it became easier for me to give myself over to it so um a, a couple things one to my surprise and kind of delight unlike the the spider-man uh far from home uh the 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 middle movie this one's kind of the most untethered from the larger marvel cinematic universe there are touches i mean obviously dr strange plays a very large role as you've seen in uh in the trailers but i appreciated that unlike the previous two installments, the Homecoming and uh, the Far From Home, there there just isn't as strong a tether and as much glue um, uh, leaning into the larger universe. That this one is probably, in a lot of ways, the the most standalone, even more so than Homecoming. I think. I also think that. Um, that this is a fine complement to the previous Sony Spider-Man movies. So, who is this movie for? Is this movie for the the Marvel MCU stands? Sure. Yeah, I mean I mean there's there's enough in there. Um uh, enough to keep you interested. I mean like, you know, uh uh, uh nobody's uh searching for infinity stones or anything like that, but um yeah, I, I think Marvel MCU fans, if you if you like Tom Holland Spider Man, there's there's a lot for you here. Um, but I think who this is for, even more so than that, is that this is for fans of the Spider Man movies, and I mean that very specifically. I I mean very specifically the Sony spider-man movies the toby Maguire ones the andrew garfield ones and and yeah even the the current incarnation this is a love letter to those movies um this is a love letter to the stuff that avi arad uh brought to the movies uh back with uh, uh stanley back in back in the day with sony in fact um this uh this may be a a mild uh spoiler you know like one of those ones i was talking about earlier where you know it's it's kind of sort of a spoiler to say that professor x and logan are are in the in the bathroom in one scene but there's there's a um i didn't catch it because it was it was a um you know it was it was a live screening and i couldn't take a picture of it because we had to have our phones turned off and they were patrolling it but there there's a um in the credits there's a dedication to avi arad and um i i can't unpack his entire story right now but basically he is the dude i would say most responsible 
for bringing the Marvel superheroes to the movies to begin with, you know, um, even going back as far back as Blade. I think he was uh, uh, involved in that deal. He was certainly involved in the 20th Century Fox deal with the the X-Men movies and then um, uh, with uh, Sony Columbia with uh, the Spider-Man movies. Um, Actual mileage on your opinion of this dude might might vary. I have a. um, I have other stuff that I might unpack later, but but do some but do some cursory uh, Google searching about uh, Avi Arad, and and you'll find a uh, an interesting, fascinating history of the Marvel movies prior to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then kind of the the weird kind of intertwining and infighting uh, that uh, that would come later. But I digress. This is this is. Um, dedicated to him and to the things that he uh, brought to the table for good or ill with regards to uh, the Spider-Man movies. Um, the performances are pretty good. Um, there, There's a, uh, in, in my screening, I would imagine that this is going to be in the in the uh, regular screenings as well. But there there's a little video with uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya and uh, the dude who plays Ned, whose name always eludes me. Um, and, you know, kind of saying like, um, hey, you know, hope you enjoy the movie, but don't spoil it. And uh um and, and then a surprise guest shows up and and the kind of the gag is like uh, dude you being here is a spoiler it's it's kind of hilarious but the thing that that i think we commonly forget is just how aggressively english tom highland is and you know so like when he speaks with his native accent you uh uh you kind of uh, lose track of how much he throws himself into into the Peter Parker character. I think over these last several movies, you know, because he he's been in this role for oh gosh, I don't know, five six years at this point, um, uh, at least six years because I want to say Civil War came out in like 2015. Um, so I I I've been very critical of kind of some of his uh uh vocal performances cuz I think like he was trying to overcorrect and do like a goofy queen's accent. I don't I don't know what a queen's accent sounds like, but I I found it um mildly disingenuous when like in those early mo- movies he's like, "Oh, hey Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark. Oh, gabagoo." It, it was just laying it on a little little too thick uh uh for my liking, but I at this point, he he's kind of got it nailed. It's like you know he's not overdoing the accent, he's not underdoing it. It's not flat like like Cumberbatch. I think when um, whenever Benedict Cumberbatch plays Doctor Strange, I think his main uh, um, acting trait that he's bringing it is just to try to be as flat as possible. So it's like. I, I, I can't even do it. Uh, but yeah, it basically like his American accent is to just speak as flatly as possible. Um, so yeah, and, and actually I, I just thought of the, the irony of two um, English fellows playing uh, completely very American people. Um, it's just a, a weird observation. But yeah, I mean, I'm Tom, Tom Holland's good. He, um, yeah, he, he, he sells. And I don't 
necessarily have anything bad to say um, about his performance. Again, uh, Cumberbatch is is fine as Doctor Strange. Um, I even through all the movies that he's been in, because he's been in what four or five movies now as as his character plus the cartoons. I. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, is he good in this role? I mean, he's not specifically bad, but it just, it, it feels like a weird placeholder. And I couldn't, I, I, I think what I expected from Dr. Strange when he first shows up in, in that first Dr. Strange movie is that he's kind of like the mystical inverse of Tony Stark, because in, in the comics, um, Strange is a bit prickly and there's some of that in Cumberbatch's performance, but not nearly enough uh, for my taste. Um, and, and I guess I keep thinking of like uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in like Iron Man 1. Now, granted, he softens up uh, very quickly and certainly within the Disney era, um, you know, where basically he's he's a teddy bear by the by the time you get to those um, Avengers things where he's just, you know, just a quip machine that's, you know, soft and cuddly and whatever and very chaste and, and all that other nonsense. But, yeah, I guess I guess I was expecting Doctor Strange to have a little more bite and a little more edge to him. But um, and, and yeah, you know, um Everybody else is totally fine. Um, you know, Favreau's still still doing the Happy Hogan thing. Uh, Marissa Tomei, as I said, is is totally fine as uh, as Aunt May, um, uh, Zendaya as as uh, MJ, and yeah, I mean, I mean, everybody's fine. I, I the the performances aren't. Um, incredibly strong, but I don't think they're they're specifically bad either. So, um. And I've realized I'm realizing now that I'm kind of reaching the end of my rope in terms of what I can talk about with uh, regards to uh, being non-spoilers. Um, I I would imagine that you're going to come across several uh, written reviews, or maybe even YouTube's or podcasts or whatever that that will. Uh, uh, spoil some things. I uh, um, the the dude I do a radio show with here in Seattle. Um, he was telling me he uh, came across a review in Variety, Variety of all things, that hard spoils the movie. He wasn't expecting it. Now, um, going back all the way to the beginning of this episode in this conversation, where I said, you know, kind of be careful with what. Um, what you're getting, what you're looking for. Um, so I hadn't read any reviews and I wasn't going to, I saw some vague things on, uh, Twitter, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, say what's trending. It's like reviews are pouring in and I, uh, clicked on the hashtag and I scrolled and I saw a couple headlines and I stopped. I didn't click on a single article. Um, dude, I work with, on the other hand, went through and read several articles and, um, uh, clicked on variety because he thought that that would be perhaps the most objective. And it, it again, it, it hard spoiled him without warning within the first paragraph. And I have thoughts on that as well. Um, I think one that's frustrating. Um, 
But I wonder with some of these larger outlets, because I mean, you know, uh, um, you know, a lot of us are, are podcasters or other uh, media consumption types. And I think because we spend so much time in our own bubbles that we kind of lose context with what is and is not a spoiler. So um, this person that wrote this review for Variety probably isn't part of the fandom, probably doesn't understand fandom things and how revealing things ends up accidentally being like a huge, huge spoiler. So um, I I just I, I find that interesting at a time where I am trying to delicately tiptoe and not even say thing one about the plot and just kind of give you my thoughts and feelings about it it's just it's a it's very interesting because even like something as innocuous as uh um uh, a scene of two characters in a restroom could be construed as a as a spoiler enough for for me to be turned off to listening to review podcasts spoiler free or not until after i've seen the movie i don't know and i think it just kind of provides me context um i'm drifting <laughs> um Spider-Man No Way Home is better than fine. It's it's good. Um again, uh, my my larger criticisms are with the same as the MCU in general. I think when everything is big, nothing is big. So this movie is big. Um you see all the money on the screen. The the special effects are incredible. There are some cool things, but um thinking about just having recently watched uh Shang-Chi, um there really isn't a lot that that gets me super excited. Um there are specific moments and easter eggs that I that that really worked for me and and it was at a point in the movie where I had given myself over to it and said okay cool I'm you know what I'm on this ride with you uh there were several jokes that I laughed at there were one or two references that I laughed out loud at um and there were just as many that fell flat like um it's like i see what you're doing but um it, it's trying too hard there there's a lot of try hard in this movie and it can be a little off putting um and as i said i i sat through my screening with a bit of a chip on my shoulder i i would say for at least like 2 thirds of the movie uh maybe half um uh I I would be interested to see how I would respond to a rewatch. And I think that's kind of the reason why I want to record this now and get this out to you now, because I might go check it back out again. And I I almost kind of want this to be a, a time capsule, not just for you, but for me as well, uh, just to kind of uh, revisit how I felt. Um I just I, I just had so many um I don't know, I guess um presupposed conclusions. I, I, I'll say that instead of expectations, because like, you know, again, as I said, I I expected for my attitude to be shrug, it's fine. Um another version I I had of that 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 presupposed um 
uh, thought process was that it's you know um it, it's the batman and robin of the marvel universe where it's just so overstuffed to its detriment it is loud it's it's colorful it's action packed it is overstuffed but the thing that surprised me is how deftly it works with all of these crazy ideas with with the multiverse and the uh refugees from uh, uh these other universes and i thought looking at those trailers like like there's a money shot where you've got like electro and the lizard and the sandman and uh and maybe dr octopus i don't remember i'd have to go back and and look at it um either way it's the same shot from the 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 trailer the the um anyway i um now I don't remember where I was going with that. God damn it. Uh, but no, I, I just, I, I thought that that was going to be, oh, that's what it was. I, I was going to say that it, it's very much, I was thinking based on that money shot in the trailer that it's like, oh, that's where it jumps the shark and that's where it becomes Batman and Robin where um, those prototype comic book movies had all-star casts and didn't really know what to do to balance characters. I would say that that is the biggest strength of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I don't know exactly when that started, maybe as far back as, well, well, Avengers the first. You know, say what you will about Joss Whedon, but he made the mega crossover movie possible and palatable. And that was a... a that was a template that was refined and perfected, um, especially under the the uh, uh, under the the supervision of the Russo brothers, starting with uh, with Captain America, uh, First Avenger, then going into Civil War, and then obviously the the latter two Avengers movies. But even something like Guardians of the Galaxy juggles an ensemble very very well, and. I don't even know who directed this movie, quite frankly. And and again, I'm kind of kind of going off the cuff, not going by notes, because I just want to make sure that this piece that I'm doing here is kind of as um, clean and unbiased and and uninfluenced. Like I, I don't want to accidentally put a review in front of me. Um, and I don't want to necessarily put the Wikipedia in front of me also, because then I might accidentally start talking about character beats and spoilers and stopping myself and say, oh, well, hey, I can't read that because that's spoil- I'm not even going to do. But um, uh, let's see other things I can say um, again. It, it, it's it's big. It's loud. It's fun. Uh, if you're already in for these movies, there's stuff for you here. It does leave me, though, with the same feeling In a different way, but the same feeling that Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and maybe even the TV shows uh, to an extent, it it leads me with this feeling of where are we going? Uh, Where are we going? What are we doing? What's the next thing? And I think, unfortunately, that's Marvel conditioning um, because I think a lot of us forget 
that kind of like the whole Infinity Saga is, as it's now known, the kind of the road to the Affinity War and the end game, that really didn't start cooking uh, proper until post-Avengers. And then the and even then that was kind of like on a low simmer where you just get the Thanos cameo and it's like then that's all you see. Then you get uh, Age of Ultron where where I mean, it, it, it torpedoes the continuity now, but it's like, you know, he gets gets the glove and fine, I'll do it myself. Um, it's really not until then that the that the bus really starts moving. So. I don't know if we're just impatient and obviously COVID um, has sorely messed messed around with the chronology of uh, these things because who knows what um, was supposed to have come out when. Um, Like, I think the first Marvel show was supposed to have been uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, but that had to get significantly reworked because they had a Chinese virus storyline. Um, and hearing that makes me now have a better appreciation for how disjointed that show is and how it kind of feels weirdly incomplete because I think there was a lot that was like reshot, redone and reconfigured that, um, I mean, who knows what that, what that show would have been like, but then, but instead we got WandaVision first. And that's one of those things where, uh, you know, your actual mileage on WandaVision might vary, but the thing that it was more than anything was different. Some people thought it was way too different. Some people thought it was different enough. And then, um, yeah, I, my personal feeling, I don't know how much I've talked about WandaVision, but like, I liked it when it was weird and different. And then like towards the end, when it just becomes like, yet another Marvel Cinematic Universe adventure I kind of got bored with. I liked it on the whole. Um, I, I liked a lot of the stuff they did. I like uh, uh, like the, the gimmick stuff I thought was really strong and really good. But um, I, I don't know. It, it's At this point, I almost feel about Marvel content as I do CBS TV shows uh, uh, network programming that at this point, it's just, it's potatoes and gravy you know it's meatloaf it's salisbury steak it's i mean it's fine um and and there's occasions where it's really good but it's um we're just eating at applebee's right you know it's nothing against applebee's it's it's you know it's totally fine but that's the thing i i can't remember a time that i've gone to to um applebee's and been like Holy crap, that was really good. Um, I don't think I've felt that way about a Marvel movie since, I don't know, Winter Soldier? Um, uh, Well, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe Ant-Man to a less, less, lesser extent. Um, uh, Guardians, I think, because it was one of the things where it took a concept, a team that folks that were fans of the comic books knew but that civilians didn't know, but then it subverts it so much from what the comics is, and it takes advantage of it being a bunch of nobodies nobody has heard of and did something fun and different with it and uh, ended up being its own thing. That's what I was hoping they were going to do with Eternals. Instead, it's just more... I, I mean, shoot, I mean... 
Eternals is a DC movie. You know, it's 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 dour and self-serious and very very earnest and um and, and, and I don't care for that. So um so yeah, so where do we go from here? You know, so it's like you've got you've got some uh street level stuff sort of um or grounded stuff at least with uh with Shang-Chi you got the cosmic space stuff with um uh with Eternals and now with um Loki, WandaVision and what if to an extent we've we've established thoroughly and now with uh with Spider-Man No Way Home that the multiverse is definitely very much a thing and it's coming. I think like the multiverse is the Thanos of this particular run of movies and content and TV shows and it's fine, it's it's whatever. Um but and and then of course leading into uh Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. The this this um this movie basically walks right up to the door of that movie setting up that sequel. Um, and I suppose with that, now now that I've invoked that, um, I will tell you that uh, in Spider-Man No Way Home, there are two post-credit scenes. Uh, one is immediately after uh, the uh, the titles, uh, I mean, as, as is the Marvel template anymore. So basically, movie ends, fade to black, get an elaborate title sequence, and then you get your um, uh, your uh, uh, post credit scene, or or I guess mid credit scene. I don't know if I want to call it mid credits because it's just basically after the titles, and then you have the uh, post credit scene, which I am. That is that is a spoiler. I I I cannot reveal that. Um, I I will say though, dancing around it as best as I can, and you you might be able to put two and two together from what I'm saying. I am reminded of the post credit scene for Captain America: The First Avenger, where it does uh pick up with Street Steve Rogers waking up in the present day, and then it basically is literally a trailer for the Avengers, which um, which I believe was the next movie. Well, it would have to be. Um, man, how rusty am I at, at, at this stuff? But yeah, so it's it's basically it's a trailer for uh, the Avengers and it gets you like at maximum hype. So um, that's all I could say about that. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, check it out. It's it, it's fun. It's loud, um, and it 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 mashes the nostalgia buttons good and hard. So if you have any degree of affection for any of those Sony movies, whether it's because um, I mean you know folks get kind of partisan. There 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 are Tobey Maguire fans. There are some some uh, Andrew Garfield fans, and there's uh there's obviously the Tom Holland fans. And I my biggest takeaway is that all of those fans get very well serviced in uh, uh by this movie. And I would also say that this movie does very well by characters 
that weren't necessarily given justice in in uh, previous incarnations. Um, I think to go further than that would uh, would be to uh, spoil. But there there are from the trailers. If you watch the trailers again and you haven't seen the movie, you'll see what I mean. Like ju- just in terms of characterizations and what they do with the characters that they have and the way that they're used is kind of satisfactory. Like, um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, um, like, like for example, Jamie Foxx is in this movie. He's reprising as Electro. And um, for me, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I, I don't have much affection for the, the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man movies. And um, one of the things I... I've, I don't know. I, I think the Spider-Man movies have been plagued with, like, terrific casting that's been squandered. And... In a lot of ways, this movie makes up for that. So I think I'll leave it there. But those, um, again, it it's it, it's more than fine. It's better than fine. It's very serviceable. There's tons of nostalgia, and it's. I mean, you're gonna watch the movie anyway. But if uh, um, thanks for hanging out with me, and I do appreciate it. I think that's about all I have to say for now about the Spider-Man No Way Home, but as soon as I sign off here, um, I am going to continue recording, and then I am going to get into some uh, real spoiler territory, and I think I will put that up, um, I don't know, sometime after the movie comes out, uh, let this episode breathe a little bit, but I do still have some stuff to say, and I do still have uh, some gas in the tank, but that will wrap things up for this episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening listening and for hanging out with me and if you would like to check out all of my shows you can subscribe on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher tune in spotify or wherever the heck else uh, you get your podcasts and you can check out the full show archive over five years and over 300 episodes of work of shows out there um, and you can become a mike cybertronian and uh, join the facebook uh, community, the the uh, Mike Cyber Radio. No, I'm sorry, the MSRP Friends and Fans uh, group. I I gave that the most convoluted name uh, possible. But anyway, you can join the group uh, where you can uh, contribute there, and you can find uh, postings of episodes there. Uh, like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you happen to find it. Um, you know, if you leave a review on iTunes, I might read it. I might find it. It's it's been um, w- without exaggeration. I think it's been years since uh, since someone has uh, left a review. So if you leave me a review, let me know, and I will uh, gladly read it on the air. Um, for Mike Cybert Radio, my name is Mike, and until next time, tell all or one with great power comes great responsibility. Make good choices. Good night. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. 
Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.